This episode of Continuing Mission is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome everyone to another episode of Continuing Mission, our look at the ways in which fans are keeping Star Trek alive. I'm your host, Christopher Jones, and the primary focus of this show is on the fan series, or as I prefer to call them, independent productions, that tell new stories set in the Star Trek universe. Many Star Trek fans are creative professionals, actors, writers, effects designers, many of whom worked on the shows that have gray star screens for the past five decades. And the work they're now producing out of their sheer love for Star Trek is amazing. Case in point, Star Trek continues. The series produced by Farragut Films picks up the original series right where it left off in 1969. The series, which features Vic Mignogna as Captain Kirk and Chris Dewan in the role made iconic by his father, has brought us two episodes that are almost indistinguishable from those shot in the 1960s. Fans are eagerly awaiting episode 3, which has just finished filming, and today I'm joined by director and co-writer James Kerwin and first assistant director Chris White for a sneak peek at what STC's third outing has in store for us. Chris and James, thanks so much for joining me today. Chris, it's great to have you back on the network. It hasn't been long since we talked about continues on the ready room and i'm glad you could join me here on this new show yeah it's uh i think this the the format of the new show is very exciting to those of us who work on star trek continues especially and james this is your first time joining us on trek film so i'm really really happy to have you with us thank you very much glad to be here so we're going to talk about something new today actually star trek continues but we're going to talk about episode three which I think a lot of our listeners are really itching to find out about. And I was looking at your Facebook page. You know, we're recording this show on April 3rd. So a couple of days ago, I was looking at your Facebook page. And I got to tell you, you guys pulled a really good joke on everyone with this whole Mirror Universe thing. <laughs> you are referring, of course, to the 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 banner, the the photo that appeared, the image that appeared on the Star Trek Continues Facebook page that seemed to imply that <laughs> episode three would occur in the mirror universe. This is what you're referring to as the April Fool's joke. Is that correct? That's right. It was a really subtle joke. You know, it was one of those where you, you think it's real and then you're like, no, they've got to be pulling my <laughs> well, leg on this one. No. James, <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. no, we're not. not at all. <laughs> <laughs> now we can definitively say. Uh, here on the podcast uh, officially that episode three of Star Trek Continues does, in fact, take place uh, in the Mirror Universe. Uh, yeah. That we all know and love from the uh, season two episode, Mirror, Mirror. Yeah, it uh, it just so happened that that image was released on April 1st. But um, I don't really know that it was in, intentional for people to think it was an April Fool's joke, but it kind of happened, and so we went with it. But uh, no, like 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 Chris said, it is it is real. 
Um, and, and James and I are, are living witnesses. We spent 10 days in Kingsland, Georgia, uh, living in the Mirror Universe. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's burned into our brains at this point. And you're both still here to talk about it. So I have to say that you did a pretty good job <laughs> of, you know, maneuvering the, the ship not being assassinated, <laughs> staying clear of trouble. There are definitely some some tense moments. There, there, there were some close calls, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just see you guys rejecting every drink that's offered to you. It's like, I, no, I'm not thirsty. You, you just keep that. I think it was more, honestly, Chris, I think it was the opposite. Yeah, of that. Exactly. It's like every drink that came in was consumed. <laughs> Rapidly and gratefully. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so Chris, you you were the first AD on this episode, and James, you wrote the episode together with Vic. How, how did you guys come to the decision to set the episode in the Mirror Universe, and then how did you pull together the story that you wanted to tell? Uh, well, it was kind of a lengthy process, actually. About a year ago, um, I directed a short film, Are You Our Genesis, which is a trailer for a feature mm-hmm. film, and Vic was in that. And um, while we were making it, he uh, mentioned to me that he does a um, Star Trek web series called Star Trek Continues. And I kind of thought, oh, yeah, you know, it's a fan series, whatever. And uh, he said, no, you know, you should watch it. And I watched it, and I was just, I watched the first episode, and I was just absolutely blown away. I was like, I can't, I can't believe this. This is awesome. Um, and at that point, um, you know, we got along real well on RUR, and he asked if I would be interested in um, maybe writing and directing an episode. And... Um, I thought about it for a little bit, and I, I got back to him, and I said, you know, I, I had a couple of ideas, and one of them is um, involves some things from the Mirror Universe, and he said, well, actually, I was kind of thinking about having Episode 3 also involve the Mirror Universe, so maybe let's, let's talk about this. So um, we kind of both had, were tossing the idea around in our heads, but it was his story that ultimately got made. We sat down for lunch um, about maybe nine months ago or so, I guess, I don't know, and he basically said, here's the story. Um, and he told me what the story was, and, and he said, you know, will you write the teleplay for it? Uh, and I said, absolutely, let's do it. Um, so I basically worked with him over the, the next several months, converting the story into a teleplay. Um, and it was a lengthy process. I mean, there were many drafts. I would finish a draft. I would send it to him. You know, he'd, he'd get back to me and have some suggestions, have thoughts. We'd discuss it, toss things around. Hey, should we do this? Should we do that? I do another draft, get it back to him, and so forth. Um, but throughout the months, it, it it came together. Now, it will be interesting to know because this episode is going to drop in June, I believe, is your your target for premiere. That's correct. Yes, it'll be interesting when we see this. You said this was ultimately Vic's story, and then you worked together to adapt it. But you said you had your own story set in the mirror universe as well, since that one wasn't filmed. What can you tell us about the idea that you had on your own? Oh, clever question. <laughs> oh, that is a very <laughs> clever question. Um, I like it. You know, actually, mine, uh, frankly, wasn't that great. Um, uh, it, 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 was a concept, uh, it was a concept involving mirror universe and time travel, um, but I kind, of, uh, I, I kind of didn't really like where I was going with it because I felt it was a little too close to the Enterprise mirror universe episode, so I didn't really... Mm-hmm. I didn't really push for that to be Star Trek Continues next episode. So when Vic said that he had his own idea for a Mirror Universe episode and he told me what it was, I was like, yeah, that's, that's much better. So frankly, mine, mine was uh, it's probably not something I would have wanted to do. <laughs> Did yours focus on Empress Hoshi in any way? 
No, 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 no. <laughs> Darn. Yeah. All right. I'll say this. Right. I, I think this would, I, I would say that the first look I had at the script, James's uh, script, which I don't remember which draft, and there were some changes after I saw it, but immediately, I mean, I, I can tell fans of Star Trek Continues, this is, uh, at least in my humble opinion, this is our strongest script to date. And, I, and that is not taking anything away from um, Pilgrim of Eternity or Lalani, but this this script just read great and even as we shot it it just it just uh, it, it it played great there's great opportunities for our actors in this episode and there's also um, I, you know again I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give away any spoilers but this is an action-packed episode and it's the kind of what I can tell you about the story is I think it is the kind of story that fans who you know if you if you're a mirror universe if you're a mirror mirror fan especially that episode this uh, this is a very fitting uh, response uh, I don't know if I'd go so far as to call it a sequel um, but it's it's a it's a very fitting story to follow that I don't think that fans will be let down at all uh, and I think they'll be pleasantly surprised by a lot of the a lot of the fun we have in the world. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot has been done in the Mirror Universe since the original series. Deep Space Nine went there many times. Um, Enterprise went there. Um, in some of the spin-off licensed media like Star Trek Online, some of the books and things like that, uh, and some mm -hmm. of the comics, they touch on the Mirror Universe a lot. Um, even though obviously that's not all canon, but um, so so people have you know very specific expectations of what the Mirror Universe is, and we didn't want to let we didn't want to let people down. Uh, at the same time, the concept of Star Trek Continues is we're doing a show that would have been done in 1969. Um, right. You know, uh, that's that, that's the idea. Uh, it's not um, references to other series later on or things like that. I mean, Star yeah. Trek Continues doesn't do that. This is this is genuine TOS, and I think fans will be pleasantly surprised at how genuine TOS this episode feels. Well, Pilgrim of Eternity and Lolani both stand up to their message and the the way they're written and the way they're they're executed really stand up to the best of the original series as it was shot at the time. So, so I have really high expectations now for what you guys are going to do in the Mirror Universe. Well, I'm glad you said that, Chris. That's that's flattering, and um, we appreciate that. And that's that's exactly what we're striving to do. I mean. Um, that that moment when you kind of forget that you're watching something new and you really think exactly that yeah. this must have been kept in some archive and <laughs> you know I never you know I didn't see it you know that's that's the feel. One um, interesting bit of trivia that I found interesting, I, you know, um, the that affected this episode was uh, the tunics that we're familiar with, um, you know, in the original series, the characters wearing. Um, the first two seasons, the tunics were what? What was the material, James? Uh, velour, cotton velour, velour. cotton yeah. velour. Mm -hmm. And um, this was uncomfortable to the actors and hell on the wardrobe department. You know, these were hard to keep clean and maintain the colors, and colors are fading. And so, for the third season of TOS, they went to the polyester with the know, nylon. It was nylon. nylon. Yeah. It's not it's not polyester. Okay. Some kind of synthetic fabric, uh, the nylon. And um so 
when we do Star Trek Continues, of course, we we assume that we're in season four, right, of the show. So right. we wear those, you know, the season three uniforms. Well, as as you know, uh, Mirror Mirror happened in the second season. So, you know, you think about going to the Mirror Universe and you think about the women's costumes being different. Um, but what you what sometimes you don't really think of is, well, the men's costumes are different. And I'm not just talking right. about, you know, Kirk's uh, costume in the Mirror Universe, but every man on the ship wears uh, literally a different uh, piece of wardrobe. And we were able to, thanks to our generous Kickstarter backers that um, supported Star Trek Continues uh, so generously last uh, this well, was that last year or this year? Recently, <laughs> we were able to actually do that. So one of the, the cool little uh, pieces of trivia when you see the show is we are wearing, our, the men at least are wearing season two uh, tunics. Yeah, it, it is, um, it's very difficult to do that because velour is no longer made of cotton. Since the advent of artificial fibers, velour is now always made of polyester. And um, it has a, sh a, a sheen to it, a shininess when the lights hit it, like right. a sparkliness. Um, yeah. And we did not want that. We wanted um, something that looked exactly like the cotton velour. And mm -hmm. that was almost impossible to find. Um, but uh, our, our um, costume designer, Ginger Holly, did it. It looks great. And that's the kind of attention to detail that really sets what you guys are doing apart from you know, other things that, that have been done or, or even, you know, you, these are the kinds of things that fans of the original series pick up on where anyone else watching it would never even know or never even notice. It's right. kind of like on trials and tribulations when they recreated the enterprise bridge for the first time. And this, the painstaking efforts that they went to, to make sure that it was true to the original, mm -hmm. even though it would have been easier to, you know, cut a corner on that. But yeah. they knew, like fans are really, really going to appreciate this. I love this. Um, our production manager, Casey Shafsky, made a great comment during a production meeting. The the titles that you see on Star Trek Continues are like season three Star Trek. The type on the screen is blue. In season two, when Mirror Mirror existed, the type on the screen was yellow. Right. So we're having this meeting in case it goes, oh, yeah, one, one small detail. We need to make sure we do the opening credits in yellow type. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and Vic said, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the level that these people, um, myself included, I guess, that uh, these people that come together to make Star Trek, that's how much we're thinking about things like that. Uh, so the obsessive compulsive fan should know uh, yeah. we are obsessive compulsive as well. <laughs> It, it really, really shows. So what you guys, you've done your vignettes. You've done two episodes, two full episodes already, which everyone has been able to watch. And this is the third one. And Chris, you've been involved in directing on both of these. You were first AD on Pilgrim of Eternity, and then you directed Lolani. And your first AD on this one as well. How has the, the process of directing and shooting evolved as you guys have done more and more of these? Well, we've we've been fortunate to uh, keep the same core team together for each episode. Uh, not just core actors, but um, Matt Busey, who's the director of photography, has been there every step of the way. Our our makeup artists, Tim and Lisa, have been there. Um, 
I think I think it's getting easier to shoot these episodes, frankly, because we just we know each other now. Um, I'm kind of curious for James, just walking into the environment, like what were you expecting when you were imagining going to South Georgia to shoot a Star Trek episode, and then how did that compare to what you um, experienced when you were there? I haven't asked James this, so I'm just curious. About <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's it's hard to say because I've I've been directing for about 18 years now, and um, I um, hadn't um, I'd never done anything in this world in the world of you know fan web series and things like that. Um, and at first, I I kind of um, I don't know. I, I I I when I watched the first Star Trek Continues episode, my immediate reaction was, "Wow, this does not look like a fan film series." This this looks professional. Right. And Vic said, yeah, yeah. that's because so much of our cast and crew is. Um, we, we, we didn't want to do um, uh, something on an amateur level. We wanted to hire professionals. And um, so, uh, so I didn't know whether to expect like a super Hollywood level of professionalism or just like a total, a bunch of fans who don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so uh -huh, I, I kind of right. went into it with no expectations whatsoever because I had no idea what, what, what I would be faced with. Um, but it was a lot of fun and, um, we, um, it was a very, it was a great shoot. It was very efficient. You know, there's, uh, as, as, as with any low budget independent fam film series, there are, uh, budgetary hurdles to overcome that you wouldn't have on a studio television series or film. So that's always a little bit of a challenge. Um, but it's also kind of, uh, a creative impetus to figure out right. clever ways to work around things, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, no, it, it was, uh, I, I guess I would say overall that it's, it's pretty much what I expected it to be. Um, uh, a lot of professional people working on something out of love and out of passion without a lot of money to do it, but that's okay. Uh, you know, what, what, what Star Trek continues lacks in money. It, it's made up for in the, in the work ethic of the people who are, who are working on it. Let me ask both of you guys as creatives, because I'm also a creative. I'm a designer, and I I know what it's like to work within those budgetary constraints that you talk about. And some of my best work, and some of the work that I have won, you know, the most awards for, have been things that I did with almost no budget, because mm -hmm. it really, really pushes you, you know, to find a very creative solution to something. Working on Star Trek Continues, can, can you give us some examples of, of situations where, you know, you really had to get your creative juices flowing in order to make sure that you could pull off uh, the vision that you had, even though you didn't have the resources that you might have on a Hollywood production? I, um, I think that's a terrific question, and it really does go to process, which is interesting to me. Um, I'm an independent filmmaker. Um, and I'm always curious about how people make the most of their resources. I, I would say, and James, I mean, you can, I'm interested in your response to this as well. Um, the studio itself is um, a lot, it, the studio is a miracle and a lot of trouble. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a miracle because there are standing sets um, that are essentially the same as what would have been on the the sound stages that they start Star Trek on in the sixties, right. and and they're laid out the same way, and they work the same way, and as long as you're not shooting in the middle of summer, <laughs> because it gets yeah. very hot in South Georgia, 
Um, I'm from Alabama. I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, if you can get it shot between October and March, you're pretty much fine, I think. But um, it, it's so one in one way, it's this miracle. In the other, in the other way, these aren't sound stages. There, there's not a lighting grid. Um, the power that comes to the building is distributed in such a way that we. You know, we can't light the whole studio at once. We can't have sick bay lit for shooting and the bridge lit for shooting and Kirk's quarters lit for shooting. I mean, you really are moving each day to a different location because we just don't have the power. We can't pull the juice there. There, The, the way the building is set up, there are some other uh, sections of the building that have become a wardrobe section, a makeup uh, area, a, a place to gather and eat lunch, and you know, so, so again, the building is this miracle. Like, oh, that's perfect. We'll do that here. We've got space. The building is also like a real challenge because it's not set up to be a makeup. That's not a makeup studio there. Right. You know, that's yeah, not. I, yeah. When when I uh, my first um, phone meeting with Matt Busey, the DP, one of the first questions I asked him was, "What's what kind of grid do you guys have?" And he said, there is no gray. <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> so, so, yeah, it, it kind of threw me. I mean, I was, I was very um, – actually sat down the other day and, like, calculated, like, as far as, like, dollars spent per minute, this is the lowest budget thing I've ever directed since I was in college. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I was just like um, – but I will also say that, like, like I was saying before, it's more than made up for by the passion – and the work ethic and the creativity of the people involved. It doesn't feel anything like it is as low budget as certainly there are challenges like not having a grid or the makeup room not having being right or whatever. But um, all those things considered, it's the level of professionalism of the people involved is way higher than than I would have expected. Um, and I'm not entirely. I mean, even you know the last feature that I did. Um, it, it, it was eventually acquired by a studio and released, but it, it started off as an independent film. So I'm not, you know, uh, unfamiliar with shooting on a budget. So like things come up that you just have to find creative solutions to, um, you know, you order a Fisher 11 dolly, they give you a Fisher 10 <laughs> and mm -hmm. you say, and it arrives and you go, that's not the right dolly. And they're like, well, this is what we got. So right. now I have to reimagine my shots because I can't get a Fisher 10 dolly up on the second level of the bridge, obviously, because it would fall right. through the floor. So little things like that that come up, but you, you come up with creative ways to solve it, you know? Um, yeah, and, and I would say, um, again, going to the miracle of doing it where we do it, I mean, Jacksonville, there's enough production that happens in Jacksonville, Florida, which is about 30, 40 minutes away from the, from the studio we shoot in that you can get a Fisher Dolly. I mean, we're right, not, that's, yeah, true. That's true. <laughs> we're not driving in from Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Normally in that area of the country, you know, you'd expect to get that in Atlanta, but it's, it's encouraging to get things like that in, uh, um, in through Jacksonville, Florida. Um, but I was going to say, I, I was trying to think of a real practical way. You know, one of the, one of the ways we benefit or the, one of the ways we take advantage of, not having a big budget is the same way the original series did. Right. A room that serves as a conference room for, you know, the executive staff on the enterprise is also, you know, the rec room is all for, is mm -hmm. also the 
the uh, the officers. What, what was that room in uh, that we shot in, James? Is it called the officers' break room or the like officers' club? Well, I don't know if we're allowed to say, but I guess we just said. <laughs> yeah, well, we've used, and, it's and one then, of those. <laughs> so there's your spoiler. Yeah. Um, that that set doubles and triples for several things. So that's that's a way you economize. We economize the same way they did. Um, you, you know, you see the when you look at the corridor. There's one corridor. Mm-hmm. Um, but Star Trek, you think about it, you're like, ah, no, they went all over that shit. No, they went on one corridor. Yeah, but you got to figure out how to shoot it in a way that it looks like a lot. Right. And yeah. and also this and this is not a this is not a new spoiler because this has been publicized already. Um, that there is a new set that has not been seen before. We can't say what it is. Oh, um, right. But there is a new set in this episode that you have not seen the first two two episodes of Star Trek Continues that I think people are going to be really blown away by. I was when I saw it for the first time. These guys who build these are just awesome. Yeah, it's not Very a cool. little thing. It's a, it's a big one. No, it's it not a little a, thing. Yeah. It's a big footprint in the room. Yeah. Um, it's not Cetacean Ops, is it? <laughs> I can't what? say. <laughs> James, you know, on the on the Enterprise D anyway, they have cetacean ops where the the wells are that help navigate the ship. The we never see them, but in yesterday's Enterprise, they do call over the intercom system, which I'm sure is the technical Starfleet name for that system. Right, right. To report to cetacean ops, That's and awesome. Diane Duane also used it in her Mirror Universe books. That's great. <laughs> Well, yeah. I know I know about the big gerbil in the wheel on the Enterprise <laughs> right. that are on the, uh, the, the 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 computer readouts. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> um, I would also say let me let me say this too, Chris. Um, well, well, I should say the the lights that blink on the bridge. You know the the patterns that the, uh, blinking. Those are something that Matt Busey programmed that. Yeah. To mm-hmm. to blink exactly like they do on the show. So there's a little bit of economy in that because we're doing it in okay. a way you know, in a modern way to make that happen. But there's also mm-hmm. that incredible passion and attention to detail where Busey, I remember when he was when he was putting that together and he was spending, you know, he spent days working that out and making the bridge light up in a way that really looked like the bridge. I can understand. I, I would be the same way, I'm sure. Like I would get it blinking and I would I would stay up all night for two nights just programming the pattern. Nice. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any, again, not spoilers, but just sort of teasing people, are there any new cast members, any new characters in this episode? Well, we have a we have a guest actor on this show. Do you want to talk about that, our guest, James? Um, well, I don't know which of the guests we can reveal. I know we, we have already revealed that Kipley Brown, who played, yeah, that's Ta- Kipley. Ta- who played Taylor in uh, Enterprise, is a guest character in this episode. Um, and we have revealed that she is command division, but we haven't revealed anything more than that. Um, <laughs> Kimberly and I have known each other since before she was on Trek. Um, and she also played the lead in the feature that I did with Chase Masterson yesterday was a lie, um, which is a science fiction noir feature from Entertainment One it came out um, back in 2009, 2010. Uh, and then Kipley and Chase and Vic and I uh, did this film last year called Are You Our Genesis, which is a late 60s Barbarella-style science fiction film. But um, it, it, while it's set within that style, it takes itself seriously. Um, it's not like campy. Uh, it's it's based on the Czech play R.U.R. by Carl Chopik from 1919. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has some very poignant themes about the nature of of uh, consciousness and what it means to be human and socio 
political issues and things like that. So um, it was a it, Vic and uh, Chase and Kipley and I shot it as a teaser for a feature that we have in development right now. Um, so I've been working with her in theater and film for like a long, long, long time. Um, and um, yeah, she just uh, talked to Vic about being in this episode, and he said, uh, "Yeah, we want to have you." And that was that. Um, and and Chris, you should definitely put a link in the show notes to that to RUR Genesis. That's a real. I think oh, uh, Star Trek fans will love. Love that little piece. It's terrific. Um, Chris, I, this isn't a spoiler, but this is something that fans should know about Episode 3. Um, and maybe I think we talked about it in our last podcast. But uh, Larry Nimichek is no longer playing Dr. McCoy. The role is being reprised by um, Chuck Huber, who played Dr. McCoy in the vignettes. And yeah. so in, in this episode, Chuck is, is, is there as Dr. McCoy. I hope that's not too big of a bump in the road for fans. To um, a lot of fans, maybe are used to Larry. Now it's back to Chuck Huber as Doctor McCoy. Yeah, because Chuck played McCoy in the vignettes, and then Larry played mm-hmm. in Pilgrim yeah. and Lani. Now there could be some fan speculation that actually what has happened here is because it's mirror universe that you know there's some sort of transporter accident or something oh, that actually transformed Larry <laughs> into Chuck. Uh, we're going to use that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's nothing. Is no, it's not, I, I, I mean, you know, Chuck. Chuck was our McCoy, and he had yeah. some availability issues for the first two episodes. So Larry stepped into the role, but then you know, Chuck became available again, and the, the role has always been been intended to be his um, if he's available. So, okay. so we were I've, we were lucky to have him back. Yeah, I've got I've got the idea for an upcoming episode of Star Trek Continues now. Okay, this okay. is sort of like on Voyager. When Neelix and Tuvok got merged, <laughs> two McCoys, yeah. Larry Nemechik McCoy, Chuck Huber McCoy, come together. <laughs> I think we have something here. Yeah, there you I go. know. <laughs> I know both of the actors would definitely be willing to do that. <laughs> Knowing both of them, um, another thing. I don't think it's a spoiler, but it's just another one of those detail things. You will, if you notice in the first couple episodes and the vignettes, Chris Dewin who is play Scotty, which is the role mm-hmm. his dad played. Um, the way we styled Chris's hair was like a very early uh, Scotty, I guess. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, Chris's hair is like the Scotty we know and love now. Is that fair okay. to say, James? Yeah. There was, there was definitely some effort made to uh, bring his hair into, um, <laughs> into line. Um, so that's going to be um, new for this episode. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. People by now are going, they will not tell us anything. They are talking about <laughs> Scotty's hair. Look, his hair. Wait till you see the hairstyle. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- like, th- give th- me was, more. Look, you know, this was, this was a big challenge, and Tim and Lisa really came through for us. Tim and Lisa are makeup uh, artists, and um, uh, this, yeah. was a cha- this was a challenging episode makeup-wise because, like Chris said, all of the cast is featured prominently in this. Um, you've got Spock, whose makeup takes a while. Um, we have, you know, uh, like I said, we have a few female characters in this. Um, and as you know, in the Mirror Universe, the females don't wear a lot of clothing. So that that makeup, you know, there's makeup involved there. And uh, so, so they really had their work cut out for them. Um, lots of people coming in early in the morning, lots of long hours to get to yeah. get this episode done. And I don't know if this is fair to say because I love all of our actresses and had a even had a great time with Kipley, but 
I would say that when it came down to the female costumes on this episode, I thought Michelle Speck, who plays McKenna, hers is my favorite. Is that, and and when you see I mean episode, I can't rank them. I can imagine. <laughs> when you see the episode, you will appreciate what Chris just said. I'll just say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I I can imagine. I think her 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 uniform was one of my favorites from the first two episodes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to episode three. Yeah. Uh, you talk about the hours that go into the makeup, and again, I'm amazed at how quickly you guys shoot this stuff, especially considering the resource constraints that you had. Now, you said at the beginning you spent 10 days in Georgia mm-hmm. shooting this. You guys get everything in? Because it's not like, you know, it's not like this is an episode of Star Trek in the middle of a series like The Next Generation or Deep Space Nine where, you know, the machine is just running all the time. I mean, you guys have to all get set up, shoot this, and you do it all in 10 days. How do you pull that off? Well, um, I think there are a couple of pickups that we'll we'll get sort of green screeny kind yes. of things. Yeah, um, there's there's two but, pickup days that have to happen. Yeah, very but, very, um, very short though. Yeah, yeah, just very brief. But um, we did get it in ten days. And uh, James, didn't you tell me our shooting ratio was fifteen to one? Yeah, mm-hmm. which is feels very generous. I mean, most most people who are directors would say, if I, oh man, if I got a 15 to 1 shooting ratio, I've, I've definitely covered my film, you know, so... Um, I, yeah, that's that's a very high shooting ratio for a television episode. We shot a lot of material in a very short amount of time, um, mm-hmm. and, and even two of our days were even half days, so... Um, you know, yeah, that's we, right. Yeah, we got out early, so... Um, uh, but but like I said, I mean, number you know, first of all, I, I have experience in the indie film world, so I, I do know how to shoot on a budget. And these guys, like Chris said, have been doing this um, for three episodes now. Um, they're they're almost all pros. They know what they're doing. Um, so while there are resource constraints, there there aren't talent constraints at all. Um, mm-hmm. These guys know what they're doing. Yeah, and we we we'll start our days. We usually start the day around. Uh, or we'll get to set the early makeup. The earliest makeup calls are like six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning, and okay. we're usually wrapping out of the building by seven or eight. So they're oh, wow. they're fairly long days, but most of the days, like yeah. James said, we got out early a couple of days. Yeah. Um, well, fairly long days, but I think that's still doing quite quite well. I mean, it's yeah. not. Well, we you know, there's always horror stories on independent films with no money where. People go into these 14, 16 hour days. Right. You know, and that's just, to me, that's lack of preparation. And, and um, that, that can be overcome with, with good planning and a good plan. And, and James really had his plan down when we walked in the door every day. He made my job, you know, the first assistant director is just, I'm, I'm running the set, making sure we meet, meet the day, you know. And so James came in and really knew, knew what he was doing, you know, how to plan each day. Yeah, when you're dealing with the mirror universe, um, there's a lot of challenges. I mean, if you watch the way Mirror Mirror was shot, um, it was lit more stylistically than most of the original series episodes. Um, just the lighting there um, is much, um, I would say, much more specific and more complex. So Matt definitely had his work cut out for him, but it's it's one of those things that you can't um, you can't just do on the fly. I mean, you have to come in knowing exactly what you're what you're doing um, yeah. so yeah i mean i spent weeks planning out shot by shot what we need to do before i got down there 
on the mirror universe now i i can't really you can't really answer this question i'm sure without giving away too much <laughs> but i'm curious that deep space nine they went to the mirror universe roughly once per season yeah and then enterprise they had their two-parter and i believe they would have returned to the mirror universe in the fifth sixth seventh seasons if it had happened do you guys envision this as being an installment in 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 Star Trek Continues where maybe if you guys, you know, end up doing dozens of episodes, you might come back to the storyline again? I I I'd say yes. Uh absolutely. I was uh, having a conversation with Vic today and we were talking about uh several things but that that issue came up uh and yeah i mean to go to the mirror universe now is going to be something we we can do um we have a lot of other stories we want to tell um right right yeah we can yeah it's it's yeah it's it's funny because like um we had several people on set asking that um and uh like media who were who were covering our shoot and things like that and and Vic's first answer was, "Well, no. I mean, you can you can do this one time, and then that's it." But so many people <laughs> have responded yeah. so positively and said, "No, you got to go back. You got to go back. Who, who knows?" Yeah, and I think where this uh, episode ends is is kind of an exciting. It's a very exciting ending, and uh, one that, to me, as a fan watching Star Trek continues, you're. I, I really think everybody's going to be satisfied with with the ending, but going, "I want more." Right. Well, you know, <laughs> right. and here's the here's the great thing. Also, I want to say this about this episode, and I don't think this is giving any spoilers away. Um, the thing about Star Trek Continues is, although it does not reference events in the subsequent series, Next Gen, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, because our concept is this is happening in 1969; those things don't exist yet. So, although there are no direct references to that, we're also very careful not to violate canon. That has been yeah. established by those series. Um, so even if you see, like, for example, in the episode Lalani, um, there is a reference to the fact that 100 years earlier on the Orion homeworld, the women were the masters and the men were the slaves, but then there was a revolution. Right. Well, that's a reference to Enterprise. But right. they didn't specifically say, oh, this is what, you know, I mean, it, it, it wasn't an overt reference, in other words. It's something that could have happened back in 1969. So the show is very careful about that. Even things like, the holographic rec room where, you know, some people have said, well, there was no holodeck in the original Enterprise and, you know, in Pilgrim of Eternity. Well, actually, that was one of their plans. If it had right. gone into a season uh, four and it was actually mm -hmm. in the animated series, they it, convert yeah, one of the exactly. rec rooms to a holographic rec room. So right. there, there are, they're, they're very careful about, um, you know, some people have, have given flack for there being a counselor on board, but she's not just a counselor, she's a psychiatrist and there were ship psychiatrists right. in the original series. So mm -hmm. all of those things are actually very accurate without violating canon. And I think with this episode, I think fans will be very pleased that while not overtly referring to things that happened to Deep Space Nine and the Mirror Universe or, you know, what they established and so forth, we also don't violate anything, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Is that fair to say, Chris? I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah I, I loved that you guys had the, the holographic, uh, the holodeck scene at the beginning of Pilgrim and Doug Drexler was actually on this show and told me the story about how that 
scene came about in the first place and you mm-hmm. know, his conversation with Vic and all. But it was really cool because, like you said, it was in the animated series and it was a concept for TOS. And, and mm-hmm. the thing is that so many fans haven't seen the animated series and they don't really know that that was there or what the plans were. Uh, plus, the way that you guys portrayed it was really nice. You know, it wasn't the TNG era holodeck. It was like, here's something we're trying to make and it's not really... Yeah, very advanced yet, and it's not polished yet. We got to get the kinks out. The thing that impresses me most about the creative team that puts together Star Trek Continues is these are people that have much love for Star Trek, Um, not just the original series. These are fans of of everything Star Trek, Um, but they're also they have such good taste. You know, they know how to do. You know. some people say the term use the term fan service pejoratively, like, oh, that's bad. That's just theater, and they're just trying to kiss right, up to the right. fans or something. As um, STC knows how to do that in a way that's really clever and artistic and story motivated, um, so it never feels like you're just getting hit over the head with it, you know. And and I really appreciate that, and I think a lot of our our fans and followers appreciate that as well. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, let's talk about the premiere of this episode. I mentioned earlier that it drops in June, and you guys have something really exciting planned for the premiere. The Yeah, the, the episode is going to premiere at uh, Supernova Pop Culture Expo in Sydney, Australia, um, sometime between June 13th and 15th. I think it's the 15th. I think. The 15th, so that's I'm the last sure, day. I'm not sure, but I think they said, and, yeah. And uh, I don't know if we're, are we are we also going to Perth? Because they yes. that conference also okay yes yes right so um and all I, I think pretty much everybody in the cast the main cast of Star Trek continues is actually going to be there almost all, all yeah almost all. yeah almost all so um which you know it kind of sucks for those of us in the United States because we're probably not going to be able to get to Australia <laughs> hey, I'm but... used to it I, I'm <laughs> I in Japan <laughs> I never get to see anything <laughs> but. For for fans in Australia, holy cow! This is just, you know, the mother load of of Star Trek continues. They're all coming: Kim Stinger, Chris Duin, Michelle Speck, Vic Mignogna, Todd Haverkorn. I mean, uh, everybody's Grant, gonna, yeah. yeah, Grant Mahara, uh, I guess Chuck Huber, Chuck, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, so that's gonna be uh, kind of a thrill. But the rest of us over in the States and and the rest of the world, we'll get the episode the same day. So June 15th, if that's the day there, which, which actually, because of the international dateline, I need to talk mm-hmm. to Vic about this. Does that yeah, mean we get that's it? Right. Do, we, we get, get it, it on the 14th, right? Timey-wimey. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> oh, I thought you meant you needed to, to talk to Vic about the international dateline and see <laughs> yeah. if Captain Kirk I, can do I, something about <laughs> this bloody thing. <laughs> I, asked, I asked Vic about every, everything that I would otherwise Google. I just asked Vic. <laughs> just ask Vic. It was no, open I, line to Vic. <laughs> but I will need to draw a line in the sand, so to speak, or in the... Uh, Pacific Ocean to um, to yeah. decide when the episode drops, but it'll be right around then. And uh, right. hopefully, there will be some interesting uh, teases and a little bit more information leaking out about the episode as as we get a little closer. So, just fans, be patient with us. It is it is coming. It's coming together nicely. It's going to be the best SDC we've done. Just just hang with us here. It's 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 we're close. Which is saying a lot. 
So it's going to it's going to premiere in Australia, but at the same time, fans worldwide will be able to see it through YouTube and Vimeo as with the, the past episodes, right? That's right. Exactly. Correct. Awesome. I love it. I have I have Apple TV connected to a display on my my workstation here. And I just go to YouTube or Vimeo, pull up Star Trek Continues. I've got it playing full screen. I don't even know that I'm in YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Vimeo. It's just it's it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And yeah, it's, 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 it's great. It's good. It's high quality. And it's, um, you know, there's, uh, 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 we pay a lot of attention to, to shooting things. Like I was saying before, I kind of alluded to this, the way that things were done in 69, um, it's shot in a four by three aspect ratio because that's how TV was back then. Yeah. Um, it shot, um, uh, obviously not with the kind of film cameras that they had back then, but it shot with, with similar lenses and, and the mm-hmm, angles mm-hmm. that we use and the moves that we do and things that we do. We're constantly saying to ourselves, every decision about a shot is prefaced with, would they have done this in TOS? You know? So um, yeah. that, that I think gives it, and that and the music that, that Vic puts in it, you know, it's, it's, it gives it that feel. Um, that that this is just like I said, this is just a season four episode. And if if there's a question about should we do this or that, we can pull up any screen grab from any episode, or literally right there in the studio watch any episode. And so if if uh, James is saying I want to do you know a slow push into Kirk, um, but I'm not sure how high the camera is in relation to his his face, say, then we can go we can pull up every time they did that. And yep. Matt Busey can say, hey, that looks like an 85-millimeter lens they have on the camera there. And, uh, oh, look, they do a little slash of light right across his face, so let's get that thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's really the way a lot of this work is. It's, um, I like to say, museum-quality uh, recreations of Star Trek, and, and that's the that's the way there, a lot of scenes are yeah. shot. It's a style of cinematography that you haven't seen in a very long time, and one of the reasons for that is is that when the original series came out, so many people still had black and white televisions. Right. So mm. there, w- there, was a, there was kind of a weird merge between older black and white noir style lighting in which you can't differ- differentiate things with color. You have to differentiate them with lighting contrast. There was, a, there was a, com- a hybrid between that and really bright, really poppy colors for people who had color TVs. Yeah, um, just to know, well, this is why I spent money on a color television. Look at those reds. Right. So, so they shot it in a way that would read really well in black and white and also really well in color, which yeah. is never done anymore. Um, you know, if you take any color television show or film today and desaturate it to black and white, it's going to look like crap. You know, if you shoot for black and white, you shoot for black and white. If you shoot for color, you shoot for color. Well, the original mm-hmm. series shot for both. And um, so that's why it has this very distinct, unique lighting style that we replicate in every way that we can. So tell people when you watch Star Trek Continues, turn the color all the way down on your television and watch it in black and white. <laughs> well, you can, and it'll still hold up. I'll say that. Well, that's, yeah. that's my point, is yeah. it'll still hold up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, try yeah. it. Well, watch it both ways. But, but, but I know what you're saying. It's what really stood out to me watching Star Trek Continues for the first time was that because we watch all these modern television shows that are shot today with HD equipment and, and you know, our televisions are HD and there's a certain feel to those things that just, it's just different, especially from the stuff that was shot back in the sixties. And, and somehow you guys, I say somehow you're, you're telling us, but it's the fact that you guys recapture that so precisely is, is very, very impressive. 
and the costumes, you know, you don't just walk into the studio with, well, he's wearing a red shirt, so put a red shirt on him. It, there's a kind of a, a kind of red that will look a certain way under certain lights, you know, certain kinds of light, and then that red is in further in post, you know, there's color correction grading that's done to really yeah. make the color look like Star Trek. So. Yeah, and, and, and post Matt messes with the color grading to sim simulate the look of 1969 film stock, uh, which picked up color in a very specific way, unlike right. modern HD video does. So yeah. when colors of costumes are being chosen, it's not only, like Chris said, it's not only how it looks under the light, but it's how it's going to look after it is graded to look like 1969 film. So you mm -hmm. have to have all that in your mind as you're planning everything out. Well, and it's 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 um, I, this is not meant to be a discouragement for people who shoot fan films or Star Trek fan films for that matter. But with Star Trek continues, we do have the set that is really you know the Star Trek set. But if you just walk in the room when it's unlit, you're just in a metal building with something that looks like a Star Trek set. It doesn't look mm -hmm. like Star Trek. You can't just pop out your iPhone and start shooting video of yourself right. in a in a gold tunic and your Kirk, you know, there's a lot that goes right. into making it look that way. Speaking of gold tunic and attention to detail, this is my challenge to you guys to prove how much you pay attention to the details of the original series in a future episode. I want to see Vic go into a turbo lift wearing the gold tunic, but I want to see him come out on the bridge wearing the green tunic <laughs> wrap around the wrap. Yeah. Charlie X. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's interesting. Vic and I have had conversations about this, how many inconsistencies there were in the original series or when they would flip a shot. So McCoy's, you know, yeah. arrowhead would be on the wrong side of his shirt or, you know, right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, they did that very often back then. It's something that we, we, we try to avoid, um, you know, like making deliberate mistakes because it's the way it happened back then. Uh, you know, <laughs> We don't really really do that unless we absolutely have to. Um, right, I don't right. think it's something that we're we're looking to do. Sure, <laughs> it's some of the charm of the original series, though. I, I will say this: we have actors that work on Star Trek Continues, and this can be a frustration to a director uh, that will say, "We'll get the shot in the can, and we'll be ready to move on." And then the actors will just very sincerely, very seriously say. Can I have one more take? Can I just get that one more time? And of course, you know, the the director is, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, we'll get one more, we'll get one more. And usually they are just doing something stupid and funny. <laughs> there's it's a lot like, of bloopers, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of just Todd Habercorn just saying, can I just get one more? And he's such a great actor, and you're like, oh, oh Todd's going to give us just another nuance, another level to his performance, and then it comes out and it's just some voice that's not Spock saying something that Spock would never say. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Yeah, there, there is a lot of practical joking in take yeah. that goes on. But that's good. That keeps it lighthearted. It's always good to do that. Yes. That's awesome. So we've, we've teased about a lot of things today. We know the episode set in the Mirror Universe. We've teased about some guests, uh, some different uh, elements of the show, but everyone's going to have to wait until June to actually see this. So I hope that after June, I hope you guys will come back and we can talk about some of the more details that we couldn't talk about today and find out, you know, how all that came together. 
until then, where is the best place for everyone to go and keep up with the updates as they come out, find out how episode three is coming along and uh, just, you know, stay in the Star Trek continues loop. Well, there's Star Trek continues.com obviously. Um, but for updates, the best place to do, to, to see those is Facebook, I would say. Right, Chris? Mm-hmm. Don't you think? And yeah. Twitter? And, and Twitter. Yeah. The, the social media team that's writing those updates and they are, they do multiple updates a day and they're a lot of fun. A lot of them are just, just a lot of fun for fans. Um, the people that are literally doing that, they were actually on set during the shoots. I mean, they're the same. I know who the people are. They're doing that. And so you really are getting um, an interactive experience with people that are actually making the show. It's not just some company that was paid to, you know, tweet for us. These yeah. are actually you're talking to the people that were on set. Mm-hmm. So um, if if fans and and they're pretty, those folks that do that, they're they're pretty tight lipped But um, you know, have at them. Get on those get on those pages and try to tease some uh, spoilers out of them. I challenge <laughs> you to go on there, <laughs> see what you can get out of them. They they're human. Excellent. They have their weaknesses. Maybe you'll blow it wide open and find out all sorts of stuff on the Facebook page. Yeah. It's a good thing Facebook added the ability to edit posts now, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> In case someone spills the beans yeah. and you need to go back. Well, and, you know, I would, we were talking about, um, you know, there, Instagram's a great social media uh, mm-hmm. tool uh, um, that connects people, but so much of our episodes, and so much of our episodes are visual, but so much of them, of the information is, like James said, embargoed until you know, the episode is out. So, you know, I could, I mean, I could be sitting there taking great little pictures with my phone on set, but we don't allow people to do that on set. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's not that great of a, a medium for us. So Facebook and Twitter, though, are great. Yeah. Excellent. And you can also follow most of the cast members have Twitter accounts. I think everybody does. And I know James is on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Uh, find us, follow us. Um, you know, ask us questions directly. We'll be happy to. Uh, I'm uh, Chris White HQ on Twitter, and James, you are James Kerwin on Twitter. That's right. So find us and hit us up. Ask us those questions. See if you can tease some facts out of us. Sounds great. So thanks again, guys, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, I really appreciate getting a, a sneak peek at episode three, and glad that we were able to bring all this to our listeners. And I can't wait to have you back on again. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Well, I really enjoyed talking to James and Chris tonight about episode three of Star Trek Continues, and I hope you did as well. I can't wait to see exactly what they're going to be doing with the Mirror Universe. It's very exciting, but it's not the only thing we've been talking about here on the network this week. So here are some other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Where no man has gone before, comic versus episode. They talk about how we just picked up this psychiatrist from uh, from Alderbon. Alde shoot Alderon. This is called Alderon. Earl Grey. All good things. In a universe where Troy is dead, the Enterprise D lives on. Is all <laughs> I want to say. It's the only thing that matters. The Ready Room. Simple defense. 
Ducat recorded messages, obviously, for a lot of different um, scenarios. Isn't it funny <laughs> to think of him like, you know, whatever, 10 years before this episode, yeah. like, you know, putting a day aside. It's like, I have to do, I have to sit in front of a camera <laughs> and just think of ways they could screw us. The orb. Till death do us part. His are, are, are very quizzical in nature. They, they're of the scientist. They're of the somebody who who is willing to accept, okay, where? what is this reality? What's going on? She's just all like, tell me what to do right now. You know, like, she, right. she, there's nothing spiritual about her. To the journey! Voyager Season 4 Marathon. I was working full-time on top of being a full-time student, and I... Listen, I don't, I don't want to hear your excuses, okay? I don't want to hear them. <laughs> like, life was happening, and... A great man once told me, if something's important to you, you make the time. Warp 5. Organians on Enterprise. Part of what this episode of Enterprise is about for me is it's the search for the Organian society to, to find compassion again. Commentary, Trek Stars. Cliff Bull and the X-Files, Bad Blood. It's actually kind of odd because the audience can piece together the narrative flow better than, you know, their boss. That's because their boss didn't have the uh, brilliant direction of Cliff Bull to uh, observe. Literary Treks. Greg Cox, No Time Like the Past. One thing I had to be very careful of, and this was another sort of potential minefield that I had to navigate, was... Nobody in Kirk's time knows who the Borg are. So she can't like, oh, hi, I'm seven of nine. I'm a former Borg. You know, they don't know the Borg. She has to be careful not to tell them the Borg. And introducing Continuing Mission, our newest show all about fan series and independent productions. Star Trek continues with Doug Drexler. Everybody who does a Star Trek show in CG, the first thing they do is make the ship 947 feet long. Well, there's no way it's going to look the same because the ship that they shot on television wasn't 2,000 feet long. It was 11 feet long. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and get your daily Trek Talk fix. We have new Trek Talk for you every day of the week, and some days we even have two shows for you, and you'll find them in a wide variety of places, including on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can download or stream from our website. So go grab the shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. If you'd like to send us some feedback on this show, you can do that by going to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to a show and choose continuing mission, and that will come to us by email. You can also send us a voicemail through the website, or you can go to our forums at trek.fm slash forums to talk to us and other listeners about this show or anything about Star Trek. While you're online, if you like Continuing Mission, please drop by iTunes and leave us a star rating and a written review. We love to hear from you, and it does help other fans find the show as they're searching iTunes for podcasts about things like this, about fan series, about the independent productions of Star Trek. So drop us a line. Let us know what you think. It only takes a minute. Again, we'd love to hear from you there in iTunes. Now, if you'd like to find me, you can find me on Twitter. My username is C Brian Jones. That's the letter C and Brian with a Y. You can find me pretty much everywhere in social media under that same username, as well as on my personal website at cbrianjones.com. And then elsewhere on the network, I do quite a few shows. I do a show with Matthew Rushing called Literary Treks, where we talk about Star Trek books and comics, and we interview authors. 
we have had pretty much all of the big authors from the Star Trek literary world these days on our show a number of times to talk about their books as they come out. It's like DVD extras for books. So if you want to know what happened in Star Trek beyond the screen, which you probably do if you're listening to Continuing Mission, be sure to check out Literary Treks. Now, Matthew and I also do The Orb together every week, where we talk exclusively about Deep Space Nine, and I do Warp 5, which is exclusively about Enterprise. I also have an interview show called Matter Stream, where I talk to scientists and writers and actors and other people about things loosely related to Star Trek or inspired by Star Trek. And then I also host The Ready Room every week with other hosts from all across the network and special guests as we talk about Star Trek news and all five live-action Star Trek series. Before I let you go, I'd also like to tell you about our sponsor for today's show. That's Audible.com. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks online. They have more than 150,000 titles for you to choose from, and they add hundreds of new titles every single week. When new books come out in hardcover or paperback, these days they usually have an audio version as well, and Audible has those. They also have lots of classics. They have lots of Star Trek books. Uh, They have great science books, thrillers. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Audible. I've been an Audible listener myself for 14 years. I love Audible. And if you love podcasts, you're going to love them as well. And as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see how great Audible is just by going to audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And you can choose any book you want absolutely free. And if at the end of the trial you decide not to stick with Audible, you get to keep that book. So there's nothing to lose. But by supporting Audible, you'll be helping us keep continuing mission and all of our other shows coming to you every single week. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we really thank Audible for their support of continuing mission and the network. Well, that's all we have for this week. Again, I hope you enjoyed the Mirror Universe talk. Please go check out Star Trek Continues. You're going to absolutely love that series if you haven't seen it yet. Pilgrim of Eternity, Lolani, they're fantastic. You'll think you're really watching the fourth season of the original series. So go watch that and then join me again next time here on this continuing mission. And let's see what's out there. <laughs>